You're listening to the podcast version of the Recruit of Talionis audiobook, book one in the Talionis series. I'm your narrator, writer, and host, award-winning author C.J. Malesi. Each week, we'll bring you further into the mysterious and dangerous dystopian world of Talionis and Bria's fight for survival. If you haven't been following along with us up until now, be sure to check out the previous episodes. Now, grab your favorite hot beverage and hold on tight as we dive back in. Chapter 9 I'm alone in the room, sitting on the bed assigned to me. Both Nika and Ari are still in the bathroom, getting ready for bed. I pull my braid to the side and begin unwinding it, the unbound curls scattering in any direction they choose. After the tour, the rest of the day passed in a blur. More introductions were made that I couldn't keep track of, and brief explanations were given about what tomorrow will hold, during which my brain struggled to process half of what they said and what they meant when they talked about technology. We ate again, another meal I could barely choke down, though I ate fast since it's clear we won't know how long we have to eat each meal. Then we were ushered back to our rooms by soldiers, and an overly cheery woman told us over an intercom in the hallway to get a good night's rest because you have a full and exciting day coming. My lips twist into a frown at the memory. Why does everyone act like we should be thrilled to be here? Nika enters, walks over to her bed, and drops her boots and uniform in a pile against the wall before facing me. What a day! She plops onto her bed. How's that head wound treating you? I drop my hands from my hair. It's fine. She squints her eyes and studies me. I got a bump like that once. The day after it happened, my head hurt so bad, all I wanted to do was lay down and close my eyes. I know you're not tougher than me. I quirk an eyebrow. You don't know me well enough to know that. A serious expression washes over her face. Do you have good parents? Uh, yeah, I say, confused by the change in topic. Then I know I'm right. I'm sorry, I say, understanding that Nika just allowed me an insight into her life that probably wasn't easy. She waves a hand as though batting away my words, then leans forward, elbows braced against her knees. One thing I've learned in my life, don't fight against a bully that's bigger than you until you know exactly what moves you can make to stop him. Okay, I say, drawing out the word. Her gaze shifts to the door before coming to rest on me again. You're a fighter, and I respect that. But we can't do anything crazy. Not yet. Not until we know what we're up against. The door opens, and Ari steps in, but Nika doesn't acknowledge her. She waits for my response. I nod. I'm not planning to. She sighs as though relieved and settles back into her bed. A twinge of guilt pricks me. I just met Nika today, but she's already becoming a friend, and I may have just lied to her, because when it comes down to it, I'll do anything I can to escape, no matter how crazy. Three hours. I've been lying on my bed for three hours and I can't sleep. The glowing clock on the wall ticks off another minute. My achy limbs are weighted down with fatigue. I should have fallen asleep as soon as I put my head on the pillow, but my mind won't stop racing as question after question marches through. 
What exactly is going on in Talionis? What are they preparing us for? Why me? Why the other recruits? Why not Lency and Jax? How did they choose us? How did they get us away from our families without anyone stopping them? Or did someone stop them and fail? Does Derby still exist? Is my family still alive? These questions pummel me, driving sleep further and further away. No answers come. I can't bear to even consider the possibility of my family being gone. They have to be there when I get back home. But with what I've seen of Talionis... Tears press behind my eyes, clamoring for release. I take a deep breath. Then another. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get home. I'm going to see them again. But what if I get home and they're not there? I sit up abruptly. These questions aren't getting me anywhere. I rise from my bed as quietly as possible and slip out into the dark hallway. The recruits' living quarters is big, with a wing for the males and a wing for the females, divided down the middle by a meeting hall and dining area. Turning left down the hallway means heading toward those common areas and most likely soldiers. I go right. The hallway is dark, but my eyes don't need time to adjust as a result of staring at the ceiling above my bed. I pass the closed doors of other female recruits, the sound of muffled sobs coming from more than one room. Guess I'm not the only one not able to sleep. I pick up my pace and soon come to the end of the hallway and a door marked stairs, the faint glow in the letters yet another reminder of how removed I am from everything I understand. I pull the door open and move past it, turning once I'm inside to ease it shut with an almost silent click as it latches behind me. My room and the common areas are all on the first level. The stairs stretch above me, and I climb. At first, I take the steps at a normal pace, but the questions continue to hound me. I go faster. My sock-clad feet are whisper-soft. I pass the door to the second level, and then the door to the third. As I approach the fourth floor, my breath comes in puffs, my heart beating faster from the exertion. I'm outrunning my thoughts. It feels good. For the moment. The stairs end on the fifth floor. I pause in front of the door, not ready to go back to my room. I crack the door open and peek down the hallway before emerging from the stairwell. If... For any reason, soldiers patrol this level, I don't want to have a personal encounter. No one is in sight. Good. The corridor is identical to the one outside my room. Nothing new to see here. I walk down it anyway. It's better than lying in bed alone with my questions. A noise assaults my ears. I freeze. Chapter 10 I press my back against the wall and wait. The noise comes again, the hiccuping breaths of someone crying. I push away from the wall and start toward the sound. It grows louder. It's a child and something about it is familiar, like I've heard this cry before. I slow down, trying to determine where the crying is coming from. A door a few feet ahead of me is open. The child sniffles. Those sobs. The memory assaults me. This is the crying that woke me in the forest. This is the child I assumed was Zeke before I realized my world had come crashing down on me. 
Unable to stop myself, I enter the room. The faint light on the wall illuminates a small girl, only nine or ten, alone, with tears running down her cheeks. A child. Fear grips my heart, echoed in the mask of terror that falls over the girl's face when she realizes I'm in her room. She scoots back into the corner of her bed, drawing her knees up as a shield. It's okay, I'm not going to hurt you, I say, hoping she believes me. Why is a kid here? The girl quivers, tears still streaming down her round cheeks. Blonde hair, in shocking contrast to her light brown skin, springs out in tight curls, forming a halo around her face. I'm Bria. What's your name? She stares at me for a moment, then relaxes her hold on her legs. She draws in an unsteady breath. Storm, I want my mom. She stutters past tears, the soft cries starting again. I slowly close the distance to Storm and sit near her on the bed. A moment later, she's in my arms, crying against my chest, clinging to me. My shirt grows wet with her tears and I awkwardly pat her back. This isn't what I imagined finding when I went looking for a distraction, but I put aside my own frantic thoughts and the new ones for my brothers threatening to drown me as I tried to comfort her. Her small body shudders against me as she continues clinging to me, but that's okay. I don't want to leave her like this, terrified and alone. Why would soldiers kidnap a child? I was sure my brothers were safe, but seeing Storm... I clench my jaw until my teeth hurt and hold her a little tighter. No, I can't let my mind go there, or I'll be as inconsolable as the little girl. Her breathing evens out and her tears come to a stop. Maybe she cried herself to sleep. I move slightly, preparing to pull myself away from her and leave. Storm turns to me. Teardrops clump her eyelashes together, her face red and blotchy, but her eyes are clear and bright. She reminds me so much of my brother's. Without thinking, I pull a strand of damp hair from her cheek and tuck it behind her ear. A deep ache for the boys weaves itself around my fears and settles in my chest, along with a sense of protectiveness for Storm. How did you end up here? I murmur the question and immediately wonder why I said that out loud. I don't want to start her crying again. She wipes a small hand over her wet cheek. I saw them. What do you mean? She scoots out of my arms so she's facing me. It was dark and I should have been asleep. She shifts her eyes down to the left. My mama thought I was, but I wasn't. Her gaze connects with mine again. I love the stars and I went out on the roof to look at them. She stops. What did you see? My voice is low as I try to keep my desperation for answers from leaking into the words. Shadows came out of the trees. I thought it was just deer at first, but when they got closer, I could tell it was people. One of them snuck into a house and came back out carrying someone. The small gap between us vanishes as Storm huddles closer. I feel a twinge of guilt for making her relive it, but before I can tell her she doesn't have to, she rushes on. I didn't know what was happening. Then I saw two of them go into the house next to mine where Cade lives. He's always really nice to me. When I 
leaned over to get a better look, I saw them come out carrying him. Her shoulders scrunch up toward her ears. I guess I said something. One of them looked up and pointed at me. I got scared, so I went back inside and got into bed. A tear leaks out of the corner of her eye, and I catch it with my thumb. A, a lady came into my room and took me. I, I tried to scream like my daddy told me to if something scared me real bad, but I couldn't. She had her hand on my mouth. It smelled funny. She wrinkles her nose. She carried me downstairs and outside, but I don't remember anything else. I woke up in the forest. She starts crying again and buries her face into my shoulder. I run my hand over her hair. Shh, it's okay. It'll be okay. Without thinking, I say the words I've spoken to my brothers when they were scared or hurt. Storm wipes a hand across her face, smearing her tears more than drying them. Really? Her voice is small. I swallow hard. I'm not sure if it'll be okay. It probably won't be okay. Instead of answering her, I offer a small smile. She throws her arms around my neck and holds on tightly. Slowly, I bring my arms up to hug her back. Several moments pass. Storm's story doesn't answer my pressing questions, but the fact that they took her instead of killing her when she saw what was happening offers me a thin strand of hope that those I love are still alive. I shift and glance toward the door. I should probably go back to my room, but the idea doesn't sound at all appealing. Storm's arms lessen their grip, and I feel her small body rise with a yawn. She pulls away enough to look at me with a sleepy gaze. Will you stay with me till I fall asleep? Her eyes are big and imploring, just like my brother's. Sure. I grab a hold of the chance to put off my return to my own worries and questions to focus on her instead of myself. I move off the bed and Storm crawls beneath the covers. She settles the blankets up to her chin and blinks a slow blink. Bria? My name comes out on a yawn. Hmm. I'm glad you found me. Me too. Can you sing me a song? Her eyes close and she settles deeper into the bed as though I said yes. I shift on my knees awkwardly. No matter how bad my brother's dreams were, I never gave in to their pleadings for a song. Please. Her voice is even softer with exhaustion. An old lullaby my mom used to sing to me falls over my lips, and soon the peaceful countenance of sleep cloaks her face. Tears clog my throat. I wish I had done this for Eli and Zeke every time they asked rather than brushing them off, frustrated that it was me that had to be the one to comfort them. They would drive me crazy, but they were the best little brothers. Right now, I'd give anything to have the assurance that I'll be able to do something like this again. I stand and silently leave the room. I hope you're looking forward to continuing the story next week and finding out what happens with Bria and her friends. If you just can't wait, you can purchase the full audiobook wherever audiobooks are sold starting October 6, 2023. If you're on the hunt for other great books, discover more epic, clean, young adult reads on the Read Clean YA with CJ podcast. Recruit of Talionis was written and narrated by CJ Malacy 
and I can't wait to continue this journey with you next week.